just sing a little bit with me. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, Isn't that what the blessing season is all about? As Pastor Joel prayed, we're adoring him. That's what we opened up with today. Just want to remind you again of our nights of worship coming up, the 15th and the 17th next Friday. And we do have invite cards. I, I promise you there's nothing better going on in Wayne County in the blessing season and next weekend than what's going to happen right here. So... Uh, the ushers will have them. There'll be some at the info as well. Just take a handful and just pass them out. We've got to invite, 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 invite. Um, we're not doing tickets this year because people get tickets and then they don't come and there's empty seats because people are turned away. We don't want that to be the case. So please, it's a great way to introduce people to Jesus, to the church, whatever it is, on, on the, uh, in the blessing season, nights of worship. So we know you will. But that's just uh, through the year and it's happening. But invite, invite, invite. That's the, the thought for the day. So thank you again for your generosity uh, that I see being poured out in this season all through the year, but especially now and, and all the things that are happening. It's so exciting. We love it. So uh, today, um, I'm going to begin talking to you about uh, letting go of distractions. Are there any distractions in your life? Do you have any distractions? It seems like sometimes the greatest distractions are in the middle of a <laughs> season like that. Is that mine? Here. Let, let me just bring it here. I want to see who has the audacity to call me right now. <laughs> Pastor Joel, don't you know I'm up here speaking right now? What in the world are you thinking? <laughs> All right. We'll just put that on the shelf for right now, won't we? Yeah. Not the elf on the shelf, but the phone on the shelf, right? So I, I want to I give some practical steps in this season, and it's, I, it's not going to be a traditional Christmas passage that, that I'm speaking from, but yet it, the truth applies, timeless principles. So I want to I get to the point where we deal with some practical ways to, to clear the clutter. Um, it seems like the average attention span, not just for kids and teens, middle schoolers and high schoolers, but even for adults, is, is just shrinking rapidly. You know, I mean, we're here, we're there, we're everywhere. We're like a butterfly floating here and there. And so it's becoming increasingly difficult to focus on things that we really should. And, and yes, even in the blessing season. So uh, you ought to stand where I stand sometimes at, at Worcester Naz and on the platform here at the podium on a Sunday morning. And I got to tell you that there's just times I look at some of you and your face just shows that you have a wandering mind. And that's not like W-O, it's W-A-N-D-R. Um, by the way, sometimes I got to admit, it's hard for me to focus when I look at you. Because I wonder what you're wondering about. Uh, so when I think, so many things go through my mind when I'm up here that definitely aren't in my notes. But uh, when, I'm, when I wonder what's going on in your mind, uh, 
you'll never know what's going on in my mind, but I'm, it might get loud. I can tell you that. It might get loud, okay? I might do a wake-up call. But uh, here's the deal. It's often a fight to keep focus, isn't it? Focused on things that really matter, and that's what we're really, really trying to emphasize in this series. Um, but it's worth the fight. It's worth the fight. Because I believe that being unfocused or being distracted, as our word is today, can really have negative consequences, especially in this season. So have you looked up the definition of distraction lately? You can Google it or look it up. I don't know what your phone will tell you or your favorite source, but I love it because it it, it picks up pulling apart, a separating a drawing of the mind in different directions. Do you ever feel that way, conflicted? That's what distractions do. They, they make you feel conflicted, like you're going, trying to go two ways at one time, two directions. Well, I can tell you that spiritually speaking, that's exactly what the enemy and his minions are trying to do. Listen to this. The goal is, their goal is to keep you from living for and investing in the things that matters most. Did you get that? That's what they want to do. They just want to keep you so occupied and busy. They want to destroy your gaze, your focus. He wants to pull you apart, divide your mind, discourage your soul, and ultimately derail your faith. I've got news for you. The enemy doesn't take time off during the blessing season. That's when he does some of his most effective work. Someone has written, I I don't know where this quote came from, but if a paraphrase, if, if Satan can distract you, He doesn't need to destroy you because he just wants to neutralize you and minimize you, and nothing does that more than just being distracted, unfocused, unfocused. And you know what the end result of it is I find many times is that we end up sabotaging ourselves, really, because self-focus is really negative. I've been saying that in the blessing season. If you're really struggling with the concept of the blessing season and Christmas, it's usually because you've got your focus on yourself instead of God and others. Yeah. I think the mistake in our world and culture is we think that, that all the, everything will be fulfilled and joyous if we just focus on others and others. But I, if we just focus on others, we really have nothing to live, to, to, to give. We have to focus on him first. Do you understand? That's how we get filled up. That's what enables us to give something of worth to others. That's, right. that's how we know, that's how we receive the prompts where we need to step up and step in. So let's go to a powerful story an example of Jesus. I just love what he taught us. And, and this, again, isn't a Christmas story, but yet the principle is the same. It's it, it so powerful. But he showed his love while teaching about staying focused on what really, really, really matters. So let's go to Luke chapter 10. And I'll read some verses and I'll, I'll refer to several verses as I move through this section. But let me read it. Verse 38. As Jesus, and, and you know, I've read this story many times, but I circled in my notes, and the disciples, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came, not just Jesus, but they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. It's hilarious. Do we have any Marys here? I know we have at least one. Does it make you ever nervous when, when we read the scripture that says your name? I remember my dad preaching, and he'd say Nathan, but it was always in a context where Nathan said, thou art the man. I'd be wandering, wandering, and all of a sudden, man, I'd snap too like that. So I'm just going to insert some of your names in Scripture from now and then see if I can get a wake-up call. But listen to what it says in verse 40. So what did Mary do? Now, Martha 
was busy, but it wasn't just Jesus. And I doubt if they text or called ahead and said, hey, we're going to be there. We're five minutes out or ten minutes out. They just showed up. Agreed? But Martha, verse 40, was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, oh, I love it. She really posed it more as a question, but it doesn't take away the sting. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? This sounds like some of us. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? She might as well just said, it isn't fair. Oh, I can't stand that phrase. I'm sure it's not used in your home. I, that was like cussing at our house, if, if, and, and we didn't cuss, but if we said something like that, it's not fair, I'm going to tell you, it got really unfair after that. <laughs> we, we need to lose that. But, but she posed it as a question. What do you think? Oh, you know, people side up to you, and they ask you this question because they're wanting a certain response from you. What do you think about this? Don't you think she should? And Jesus basically says, I, I don't know about her. What's that to you? But you should do this. And he'll address that moving through this story. Tell her to come and help me, Lord. Would you tell her? Would you set her straight? The bottom line is that when Jesus and the disciples showed up, Mary was tuned into the teacher, and Martha was tuned into the tasks. And some of that's personality oriented, I know. I remember my mother, who was a who was a gracious host, but my Aunt Melville, one of her sisters, was a wonderful, had parties, had gatherings, and my mom was always chiding her because she would never sit down. She was always serving, 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 and I can honestly, honest, and I spent tons of time in the house with my cousin Curtis and Rebecca. I, 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 I have no memory of my Aunt Melva sitting down and eating with us. She was always taking care of us. Who do you think at Sunday dinner at our house, at the Ward household, when the whole crew's there, who do you think is the last person to always sit down? Who would that be? That would be Miss Dixie. We're ready for prayer, and there's Dixie floating around doing last minute, last minute, last minute, because serving, serving. So I'm not criticizing that, and I want us to look at this passage in a different way, but Jesus brought some understanding to them and to us. Jesus was in the house with his friends, and I understand why Martha was concerned about that. But Mary knew Jesus was in the house, and he wasn't in the house that often, so she wanted to give her, him her undivided attention. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, enjoying his presence. How many of you know that that's a love language? Just being together, listening, enjoying one another. That's exactly what she was doing. Um, so Mary was there. It reminds me of a song that I heard Brooklyn Tabernacle singers sing some time ago. Sitting at his feet, that's where my life is complete. Sitting at his feet. But I want to tell you, let's not be too hard on Martha in this story. Jesus brought direction and correction for sure in a loving way. And I love the kindness that he showed in this gentle delivery. Let's go to verse 41 and 2 of Luke 10. But the Lord said to her, I love this, don't you? My dear Martha, you know, I mean, you can't say, my dear Martha, hostily. I mean, that, that's with kindness. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Verse 42, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, he was saying, I believe, 
She wants to experience me in this moment, and nothing can top that because that can never be taken away from her. I don't believe for a second that Jesus was chiding Martha for doing unimportant, saying what you're doing is unimportant or it's wrong in any way. It's just that Mary was doing what was best, and I think this is where we really struggle sometimes. He said again, this experience could never be taken away from her. Um, Could I just ask you a question, wherever you are online today? Do you ever regret focused time and attention with the one you love? No. Sometimes we get so busy, and I ask young couples, when's the last time you did something together? Date, oh, we date all the time. So when's the last time? Oh, six months ago. Yeah? Do you ever regret spending time, just spending time? Doesn't matter what you're doing so much, spending time. I've seen this, haven't you? The couples, when they're dating, they can't seem to do that enough when they're dating, but that kind of wanes away. Oh, please. But Jesus is saying, no, relationships are so important. You've got to make time for them, even in the busyness of a season like this, or especially so. So I'll say again, Martha had a good heart. She had good intentions, but she got distracted from the main thing that really, really mattered, and Jesus was basically saying to them and to us, let's make sure in the blessing season that we keep the first things first. That's why I love songs that we sing and, and, and worship with about adoring him. That's, that's a strong word, isn't it? Adore? Come, let us adore him together. What Jesus gently spoke to Martha, he speaks to you and to me because he wants us to keep focused on him. He doesn't want us to, to let him out of our sight because he's the main thing that gives all else perspective. Amen. You follow me? Amen. Have you found, like I have, that often the most difficult choices aren't necessarily between good and bad? Sometimes those are, you know, cut and dried. But I, I kind of struggle sometimes between what's better and what's best. Can you relate to that sometimes? But Mary discovered the one thing that really mattered. How do I know? Because Jesus said so. You've heard us. We've sung. And uh, Dixie's been playing lately in the morning, Give Me Jesus, the upper room version of that. And that's an old song that's been remade, a spiritual pride. I don't know. It's had so many generations. But I just gleaned a few lines here. And here's what she's singing. And it's one thing to sing it, but it's another thing to live it. Listen to what they sang. I don't want anyone else... I don't need anything else. You are my one thing. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. How many of you know that you can't get very far in the weeds if you live that out on a daily basis? So let's just talk about, for a few minutes, about choosing what's best. And I've been saying this. I'm so, I I said it again to to the NASFIT kids that I was doing Devo with on Thursday that are here during the moms group. And it was on words, being fit with our words and all of that. And, and I read scriptures that said, you know, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Don't say you don't mean something because you said it. Because if you didn't, if you, if you said it, you thought it. You follow me? I mean, we talked about that. But I feel like it's so important to say to them, but also to you today. We, we go into the condemnation mode so easily and we go into the shame base. That's not what the Holy Spirit is all about. He brings conviction of sin for sure. 
But he just wants to talk to us about it because he loves us so much. And I just want to tell you again, wherever you are, look at me today. He loves you. Do you understand that? He loves you. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He wants to correct you, to direct you. He just wants you to say yes because you trust him because you know he wants what's best for you. Do you know that? That ought to just give you goosebumps. He loves you. He knows you're imperfect. I am. We are. He knows that. But he loves you. And I want you to know whatever truth you hear, he loves you. That's why he's bringing truth to your mind and heart. I was thinking about this context, and I, I uh, some weeks ago, months ago now, I just, I quoted in one of the services a lot of the lyrics from A Mighty Fortress is Our God. What a powerful, powerful hymn that is. But, but I was thinking about this, about this letting go of distractions and being willing to delete some things to create some God space, if you will. A Mighty Fortress, and here's, here's a bit of a verse that says, this is kind of the theme of this, let goods and kindred go. Are you willing to let goods and kindred go? This mortal life also. In other words, this he was writing, this is not all there is. You can be heavenly focused and still accomplish great things on earth. You understand? The body they may kill, but my truth abideth still. Wow. His kingdom is forever the old hymn is real and right in my way of thinking the many enemy of your heart and soul will go to great lengths to keep you from focusing on the best and that is your relationship with Jesus present tense right now because that's what matters most that's what will help you that's the thing to get straight that's the foundation that you build every other relationship upon do you understand we leave Jesus out of the mix and we try to build and everything else relationally is sand do you understand that it may look good, it may go up fast, but it's going to come down in a hurry when the storms and the tests come because it's only our relationship with him that's going to give us perspective and direction as we move through this life. That's what matters most. Well, what are two or three things that we could do to maybe pursue what is best? So I'll just say the first one is this, and I like the D's and the things that line up, so Let's, let's just determine by God's grace and help and by conviction of the Holy Spirit that there may be some things that we need to delete, some distractions that we need to delete. As I go through this section, and, and, and apply, I, I want us so much to apply Scripture, and, um, and I, I, just, I, I just have a new, t- as we get into 21 Jumpstart, and I'll hit that again, and we're going we're gonna to really be hitting that next Sunday and having booklets and devos and bands to remind us of all that. But you know what? We, we need to, if we want the best, we need to be welcomers of the word. You, you understand? I mean, that should be a part of coming to worship. We love all the songs, but it's, it's, it's scriptural truths and song. I mean, we're excited because we welcome the word. We, wel- we want the word to penetrate our heart because when it's in us, how many of you know it changes us? Not just now, but over time, it germinates. It, it just works. It, it's just like a crock pot, you know? It just, it just keeps cooking and cooking and cooking. God's word in us. Do, do you welcome his word? Do you, do you have a hunger for his word? Welcome his word. Welcome it. Even in this sense today, as you delete distractions. I love 1 Corinthians 7, 35 that says it this way. I am saying this for your benefit. This, this is what I'm trying to point out. That's what Jesus was saying. 
not to place any restrictions on you. I'm not trying to go legalistic about it. No, no, no. This is for your benefit. God's truth coming at you, Jesus, full of grace and truth. He, he said, it's, it's, if, if you'll do it my way, you'll have the best life possible here and forever. He said, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. Do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So maybe we need to do a whole lot of deleting or maybe a significant deletion. This isn't law. It isn't legalistic, no. It's just for the best results. He knows you. He loves you. It's, it's to me, it's, I'll call it, it's living on the grace side. Grace side. Do whatever helps you serve the Lord best. I'll go back to this little device here. It's called a smart device. It's really like a computer now, isn't it, probably? Um, maybe we should rename it, though. Even with the good it does, maybe it's a smart vice. Yeah? You know that. Drive through the College of Worcester campus, all the kids going up and down the street, they're not talking to each other. They're all looking at their phone. And they need to go, go see the chiropractor because their posture's getting ruined in their 20s by looking at the phone. Yeah? Hmm. I know it does good, but it's not all good. And could I just remind you when I think about this that I don't know, how in the world did we survive and thrive for hundreds and hundreds of years without this device? Huh? But, but you know, here's the truth, and I was going to have Joel do something again on my phone uh, here, but I, I'm not going to do it now. But if it gets out of sight or sound of, uh, for more than 10 minutes, I mean, we have stress and anxiety. How many times do you lose it and you go crazy trying to find it, only to figure it's in your hand? Have you ever had that happen? Where is it, where is it, where is it, where is it? Oh, it's even worse or you're on it and you're looking for it. Come on, has anybody ever had that happen? Of course you have. I wonder how this urgency, I wonder how that impacts our productivity. And I wonder how that contributes to distractions from really getting the focus that we need. Because that, oh, that notification, that whatever prompt, social media in general, and you know, I talk about this a lot because this is real and relevant. I mean, I, we deal with it all the time. Um, I, I, I stand in front of lots of people a lot of times and it's hard to believe that, that the amount of times that people have to be on their phone in a time like this. It's not an emergency. It's not, you know, the, the scripture. It's just like texting or responding or whatever. I'm, I'm told, and I, I don't know what the latest greatest is, but they say the average adult that's into social me, uh, media, they invest two hours a day on these platforms. And that sounds like a lot, but how many of you know that, have you ever had it, you've been doing something that goes to this and it gets an ever-widening circle, and before you know it, you've burned an hour and you don't even know where the hour went. Come on, can you relate to that? And they say that if you're young and you start that, by the time you, you live a full life, you'll probably have spent over seven years scrolling, tapping, and swiping. I don't think when you stand before the Lord, he's going to ask you about that. How was your swipe? <laughs> and then on top of this, come on, you know I'm telling the truth. On top of this, it gets emotional. 
because people do or don't respond the way they, we think they should and they don't do it fast enough and we get in a grand funk because of that. You know it's true. Oh, they must not like me. They must not care about me. They must not like me because they, didn't, they waited seven minutes before they got back to me. Yeah. Well, God in his goodness and love has given you and me and all of us gifts and abilities, and he expects us to stand before him one day and give an account for what we've done with those things that he has gifted with to us. I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I want you to know wherever you are, the value of your life is so great, your calling is great, and, and, and there's too much greatness that God has placed within you to waste it on things that don't ultimately matter. It's the details that Jesus was talking about. I believe with all my heart that he specifically placed you in this time and in this space to live a life that brings glory to his name. Does that sound familiar? And one of the best things you can do is to create distance from anything that tempts you to do what you decided you do or don't want to do ahead of time. Are you with me? Not our feelings. Distractions are about feelings, but, but it's, we can't allow those things to trump our want to. I read the Proverbs a lot, and this, this seems like, why would you put this in here? Because there's a timeless principle here. He spoke to this issue indirectly, giving expert advice about immoral women in, in, in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8, sexual promiscuity. And maybe he was speaking from experience. I don't know, but it says, listen, and this could, we could put distractions in here as well. In 5, 8 of Proverbs, stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. So there are some things in our life that we need to be willing to add, but there's also things that we need to be willing to subtract yeah. or to delete. Or in the words of the great movie theologian, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> I want to say it again. What Solomon spoke with all of his wisdom, it's a timeless life principle don't get close. Put distance between. Stay away from anything that has the power to destroy you. I just think that distraction sometimes isn't that far from destruction. Think about it. We talk all the time, every chance we get, not apologizing for it, that everything rises and falls on relationships. This way first and that way. And we all struggle with this and that, that people in front of you are the most important way beyond the latest clip or short or video, and I don't even have all the lingo, but you know what I'm saying? And you say, well, pastor, you don't practice very well because you're on the move, and I greeted most of you today. I try to be all there in just a few seconds that I can, I can be there, but I, I wanna keep moving because I wanna greet as many people as possible, but you know, it's easy to get on the move so much that you don't focus on the one who's in front of you. Agreed? I wanna be accused of being all there. You know what I mean? All where I am. All where I am. And I think some people have the greater gifting for that than others, but I think all of us really need to work on that, don't we? Yeah. I really believe we do. And I, I don't care if it's business or whatever the case may be. So maybe you could do this. Saying, Pastor Joel, this is a pain, and I'm really, I gotta spend some scholarly time. So I'm gonna toss you my cell phone, 
And would you just monitor that? And if anything comes real important, I trust you. You could bring it to my attention. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get that out of there because I'm too distracted by it. Would that be okay to do sometimes? When's the last time you did something like that? Let your kids monitor it or your grands. Yeah? Oh, man, when you get your phone back, you won't recognize it. Yeah. Just trying to be practical here. Um, I can't speak for you, but I want you to know with all the passion in my heart, that I intend to invest each God-given day glorifying him, John 12, 28a, and doing what pleases him in Philippians 2, 13. I want my life to count. I want my life to make an eternal difference. I know for me and for you, I think it's as universal too that it helps to find an inner circle of friends. And that doesn't mean they're, they're, they're better than somebody else, but, but friends who help make you better. You know, you're shoulder to shoulder. You're not always in the ditch and they're not always in the ditch. You're walking together. But when one of you gets in the ditch, you can go and help get each other out. When we walk together that way, you create sparks that sharpen each other. And I believe in that way we can serve Jesus more effectively. Together. Together. I love it. I, Pastor Andrew was sharing that the men's thing last Saturday a week ago about the Alpha experience and how there's just new connections because they just spent time together around those tables for basically 11 weeks. That changes us forever. The, those, the power of influence, I mean, and I want you to think, I'm still talking about dealing with distractions and possibly deleting, but Proverbs 13, 20 says very clearly that he who walks with wise men will become wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. I mean, you you may need to take an inventory of who you're hanging with. And that's different than who you're reaching out to. 1 Corinthians 15, 33b says this way, bad company corrupts good character. You know? If you go to my candy bin, and and I have a big barrel, a, a Rubbermaid barrel, and it's full of candy for the kids and adults. I sit, I know who you are. You sneak in there too. But I, when you walk in my office, you, could, you can smell that candy. The sweet is off the charts. And for a long time, I like to get the, I know a lot of your chocolate lovers and, and you adults that steal candy from me, so I wanted to have something for you. But I had little bits of chocolates, like, you know, whatever different kinds. And you know what happened? After time, when I put chocolates in there, even though they were wrapped, it tasted just like the hard candy and the sweet candy, so I didn't do that anymore. Do you understand the power of influence? It's the same thing. The Bible said if we hang out in environments, we're going to smell like, we're going to look like what we hang out with. Not who we are called to reach out to, but who we hang out with, who we walk and do the journey of life with. So my prayer phrase is this, that if you hang and walk with fully friends, you'll be, end up being one of them. Oh, could I just really meddle here for a moment? Maybe you need to consider deleting a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a relationship that is not helping you live a life that's pleasing to God. Because if that's the case, you're saying to them, you are my one thing, you're my one thing, instead of he is my one thing. Or there needs to be some serious rearrangements made in that relationship. I'll say it again, they're not helping you live a life that pleases God. Ask God for an upgrade. Oh, but here's my left hand coming in. 
Ask God to upgrade you. You be an upgrade. Lord, help me to be the man. Help me to be the person that you've called me to be. I want to be a difference maker. You okay out there? You know what I'm trying to tell you? It's a fight to live right. You hear me? It's a fight to live right. It's like playing the whole football game in the red zone, and I think that's 20 yards and in, is it, or 25 now? You know, it's so much harder to score, and that's how it is spiritually. It's like we live in the red zone. I mean, this is serious business, and the score is, I'm living to hear the words one day, well done, you've been faithful. And that impacts the choices that I make. It deals with the distraction in my life. I need to move on. So if we're willing to do some deleting, fine, but then we've got to have a laser focus. Let's go to Proverbs 4.25. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Hebrews 12.2. I didn't have the scripture, but it deals with it as well. You can read that. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path. It doesn't say behind you or beside you. It says before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path when you're driving. You don't look in back and constantly or to the side. You look ahead. You anticipate. Don't get sidetracked, verse 27 says. Keep your feet from following evil. Does that sound like intentionality to you? It's not enough to just delete this, that, and the other and think legalistic, I'm good now because I don't do this or I do that. No, you've got to redirect your gaze. You've got to get your focus straight. My father-in-law, I used to help him most some of the summer. He graduated, he, graduated. He, he retired from Firestone. He worked there, at, and a lot of his last years, he worked at the Firestone Mansion. I mean, it was, it's a huge thing. I think it's on Twin Oaks. If it, I, I think that's the, does that sound right? Those of you who know Akron? And we would go there, and, and he had yard care, and he had indoor care, but, but I'd help him mow, and it was really a big deal because it had to be pristine, and those, those mowing lines, and it wasn't a rider, it was a push mower, but I mean, those lines had to be straight, or you'd get called on the carpet by that, by the estate manager. And, and he said, here's, here's a little secret. He said, if, if you'll just look across the yard and, and if you'll get your gaze on something that's immovable and if you keep your gaze on that, not looking whether you're wobbling, he said, it's amazing. When you get there, you'll look back and that line will be as straight as an arrow. I'm talking about our focus the Peter principle shows up here. We've talked about that story. Jesus said, Peter, come here. He may not just said, Peter, maybe all the disciples, but Peter was ready. He jumped over the boat immediately, and he was doing well. He was walking on water, and he was fine until the wind and the waves kicked up and got the best of him, and he took his focus off of Jesus just for a short time, and he began to sink like a rock. And the Peter principle is this. If you get your eyes off of Jesus, you'll sink like a rock too. It's not just Peter. I mean, at least he got out of the boat. At least he was walking, right? Some of you feel like you're sinking today within the sound of my voice because somewhere along the line, you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. You may know specifically when you do it. It could have been gradual, whatever, whatever it could be. But I want to tell you, hear me, hear me carefully again. We're so about others in our community in this blessing season but you know, a total focus on others or, or, or on yourself will never truly help you move forward. It's, I wanna say it again, you gotta get your gaze on God, first of all. We don't do good for goodness sake, we do it for God's sake. Are you with me? You know, be good for goodness sake. No, it's because Almighty God is who we're living for. 
You must be God-focused. In other words, God first, God first. That's what this message is about. God first, God first in every season. Don't let that be circumstantially controlled. You don't, you don't have to get your eyes off of Jesus because you're in a difficult circumstance. I mean, that's when you need to lock your gaze in and keep a straight line to know where you're headed. You gotta decide beforehand. That's what Matthew 6, talks about. It says, seek first the kingdom of God because his kingdom will endure forever. I'm paraphrasing now. He said, I'll take care of the rest. Mary, Mary's doing the right thing. Martha, if you keep your gaze on me and it's your, my presence that you're after, I'll, I'll take care of everything else. Because if you're not careful, then you'll think you have to take care of everything else and that's where we get in trouble. The only way you can have a fixed purpose is to lock your gaze on Jesus, to align your heart, to stay on God's side, I've been saying. Give him the first moments of the day. Read and pray. We talk about that in basics class. My start. and Give him the first day of the week. Listen and worship and return the first day of the week. And we'll be talking about this emphatically. Give him the first 21 days of the new year. Create spiritual disciplines that are going to last the whole year and beyond. That's what this is about. It's getting spiritual disciplines in our life that is going to help us keep our focus all through 2024. Yes? But practically then, because you've got your gaze on God, that's what we do then. We've been talking about generosity. So give the biggest year-end gift or the first of the year offering you've ever given. Empty your pockets and purses into the Christmas jars. Give groceries away and, and, and pay for a veteran's meal and pick up a grocery tab for a family that's struggling. Or give your student server a larger tip than your bill was. Be a blessing in your thoughts and your attitudes and your words and actions. You do that not because you're so good, but he's so good, and you just want to demonstrate his love everywhere you go. He's watching you. I mean, I used to know when I was playing ball or doing something, and my dad's eyes were on me. I don't care how old I was. That made me want to do even better. It didn't make me fearful. He was proud of me. I wanted to do even better because his eyes were on me. That's what the love of the Father does. Keep your fixed purpose in this blessing season. Put God first and put others before yourself. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Thirdly and finally, Isaiah 30, 21 says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. You need to say, I... I, wanna, I don't want to live in distraction territory, so I want to be a better listener. I want to listen well. That would be my third suggestion today as around the corner. This could be, honestly, because of that intimate relationship, God whispering in your ear so close that you actually feel like you, you feel his breath on your neck. You, it, you choose to be in tune. You choose to listen to him intently. You choose to let his word in you prompt you to bring correction, direction, inspection, whatever the case may be. If God could recreate the world as he did by just speaking it, don't you think he's able to speak to you and speak in your life? He said basically let it be and it was, it is. He speaks through his word in you, in you. What have I said over and over? 
let's not get into God's word this year. Let's get God's word in us. There's a whole lot of people that get into God's word so they can argue or whatever, but let's get it in us because that's transformational. He speaks through the voice of, of his spirit in you. He speaks through messages and teachings. He speaks in, through worship, a song, a melody, a prayer. He speaks through nature. He speaks through life lessons, great and small. He speaks through children. He speaks through spirit-led people. And I'm sure there's many, many more. I tell you this, I believe that the more we're in tune to him with less distractions, the more we're going to be better listeners to people, to our spouses, to our kids, and to those we have come in contact, our coworkers, because that creates value. Keep sharpening your listening skills. Well, the older I get, the more passionate I am about fewer things. Can anybody else relate to that? The things that I'm willing to go to the mat for, that I'm willing to die for. I sometimes wonder with an O, do you ever wonder this? I mean, how many things that are filling up my life really ultimately matter? Jesus said, I must be about the Father's business. And what was the Father's business in that setting? People. In the heart of this blessing season, choose to live your life investing in things that really, really matter. Decide, this is what I want to do, and do it. Delete. Make room. Create God's space. We're going to sing in just a moment a little phrase, of a couple of things, but I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. That is what I want to do. I will give you all my worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to in me and through me. Wouldn't you love it if I just give you a list of the top 10 distractions you need to delete from your life? I can't do that. I'm not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will prompt you and just say, here's some things. And you're not just creating vacant space. You're creating God's space that he can move into in new and powerful ways. Here's the bottom line I've been landing nearly every message with in recent months, and it's Philippians 2.13 that I've alluded to. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Does anybody believe that? The problem isn't that God doesn't make promises and keep them. The problem is that we're not embracing them and leaning into those promises. So my challenge today to deal with distractions is to keep looking up, first of all, and then keep looking out. Wherever you are today, he loves you. You may be so distracted, the most you've ever been, but I'll say it again with force. He loves you. And he wants to bring your life into focus. He wants your life to have significance because he wants the best for you. Does anybody believe that God really wants the best for you? He absolutely does. He absolutely does. Well, let's sing a little bit, Nate. I'm going to pray, and then let's sing. Father, thank you so much for this truly, truly wonderful time of year that we so enjoy. We don't want all the busyness and things we're doing that are very good to distract us from adoring you, from sitting at your feet, from spending time with you, listening to you. So, Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to us. <clears throat> Some of us are trying to do godly things, but we've never had a relationship with you. We've never opened up our hearts and said, Jesus, come into my life. I need to confess my sin, and I need to repent of it. I'm sorry. I need to turn from it, and I need to walk with you in my life. And I pray that that would be a step and a challenge that many take, that, 
going to church all the time, that's not going to change our spiritual status until we open the door of our heart and allow you to come in. And you rearrange and do whatever you want to in our lives. So I pray as we sing today and conclude that this would be the prayer of our heart, Lord. We want to make room for you. I'll invite you to stand if you can. You know by now the altars are always open. In a moment, Pastor Joel's going to come and change the order. But I, I just know that the best time to pray is when the Holy Spirit speaks. You can certainly do that where you are, but there's something about putting feet to it. And I always, always, you always reserve the right to pray alone. You, you, it's okay to tell somebody, I, I just want to pray by myself today. But we're here to help you if we can as well. So, Nate, would you just lead us? And this will be our application point where we just worship him and say, God, I want to focus on you. Here, lead us. Sing along.